0: Welcome to the PT Mentor Academy podcast. Today we speak to Matt Ford, who is the founder of Archon, um, an amazing online fitness testing platform. Um, You can find that online. Today we talk about kind of pivoting and adapting your business to uh, kind of the ever-changing demands of the market, um, especially through this lockdown phase, um, dealing with Kind of the knockbacks, networking with the right people outside of the fitness industry, um, and some really, really good talking points throughout the whole um, the whole session. So, enjoy, guys.
1: Off we go. I'm taking. I've fully took on this host role, haven't I? On this have, yeah. Yeah. So now I can't go back. <laughs> Um, mate, thanks for coming on. Um, massively, massively appreciate it. Obviously for the guys watching, this will come as a webinar and a podcast and it'll sit in the group and so on. Um, really appreciate coming on. I know it's a bit mad of a time for yourself as well as it is for, uh, for everybody else. Um, I know you've been in the group a couple of times on the live. I think you've been on one or two with Nick, haven't you? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, a few times, yeah. yeah. So I think the guys are fairly familiar with who you are, what you do and stuff like that. But do you want to give them a bit of a background first, pal?
2: Yeah, to be honest, this is going to lead into quite a lot of the stuff that I want to kind of go through. I think we've got flooded in the last few weeks with um, kind of similar topics on how to build online training, how to like build a network, how to use social media and stuff like that as well. But I think the angle that I'm going to take a little bit today is kind of all about pivoting and adaptation and then kind of how you can utilize some of the stuff that you've done because a lot of that's my background. So Really, really quickly. And this is going to kind of lead into the whole thing. So my background was, most people don't know that I started as a lifeguard. So literally came out of college, started as a lifeguard, um, got the opportunity to go into the gym, which I took like really quickly. And I kind of thought this is, this is a bit, it's a bit more like entertaining than being on a lifeguard. So went into the gym. Stuck at it for a little bit to be fair, so kind of did one to one training. Um, it was a typical council gym back in the day, so did one to one training, kind of ventured into PT a little bit. Uh, did some PT, did some face to face things like that as well. Um, then I kind of did the usual, went to work in different hotel gyms and stuff like that a little bit, expanded into PT a little bit, and things like that as well. But it became clear that I didn't that wasn't really my focus so by the time I was kind of 22 23 I'd kind of done the face-to-face training i had done three or four years of PT um, and an opportunity came up really just by chance to go and work with Premier so I was literally 23 at the time but the big thing about working with Premier at the time was it was kind of like a six week on six week off full time full diploma so I took the job as the youngest ever trainer at Premier at the time at 23 to, to take into account uh, being a lecturer of the pc section and the sports therapy bit but the coolest bit for me was it was six weeks of like research like i'd spend six weeks lecturing and then six weeks of research so i learned from some of the absolute best in the industry at the time the likes of jason anderson dave parker those guys brilliant um the therapy side was all headed by a guy called julian berryman who now heads up e-reps and stuff like that as well so did all of that and then If I'm honest, it lasted about two and a half years. And I sat there and I thought, do I want to be doing this full time? Do I not? And this is where I think a lot of fitness professionals, this is the start of that pivot and that adaptation. You get to that point where it's 25, 26, 27 years old. You start to evaluate what you want to do, what your position is in life and things like that as well. So weirdly, and this is where there's kind of a big thing across this whole kind of webinar or this kind of whole interview side, side of things. The theme was that sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time, or you need to take advantage of, of certain things that come along. And on the course that I was teaching at the time was a guy called Don Goodman, who was ex-professional footballer. He used to play for Wolves, West Brom, Sunderland, and that sort of thing. So, and when I did the whole icebreaker thing at the start, I was kind of like, who are you and everything else? And he was very coy about it, and he was like, I used to play a bit of football, but I've retired now and everything else. But we got quite good mates, and obviously I figured out who he was and things like that. But he got to the end of the course, and he kind of said – no, I said to him, I said, what do you want to do with this course? What, what's your intention? What, As a PT, when you go out into the big, wide world, what do you actually want to do? And he, and he kind of said, Don't, I've, I've got a business plan. I've got all of this. And I said, brilliant. Give it, give it to me. I'll, I'll give you a quick once-over and have a look. And he legitimately bought it on the back of the, a proverbial cigarette packet. It was unbelievably bad. So it was kind of like literally – 100 words long business plan. I said, this isn't a business plan. This is like just your thoughts or just a few kind of ideas jotted down. And he wanted to create an educational company. So he wanted to go into educational company. So he then asked me and said, how happy are you at Premier? Do you, do you want to do doing this full time? Do you want to not? Do you want to go out and strike on your own or, or what? So I said, look, I'm 27. Let's do this. Let's go all in. Yeah, we'll start it and everything else. Well, cut a really long story short. I had that company for 13 years um we had government contracts with big colleges with Birmingham Manchester uh, Bedford Milton Keynes we were government funded to do the level two three diplomas etc etc but it was really weird that a shift again came um which is where you have to analyze your business so when the government shifted we knew that all the funding was going to go so we had to make a really hard decision of do you want to change, do you want to adapt? Do you want to shift your ethos and your emphasis of what you're doing? Or do you call it quits and you go, Do you know what? It's it's run its course, it's time to now exit and everything else. And and that was what we decided. And it was a really hard decision because and I think a lot of people are facing that now. Is it, is it what they want to be in? Yeah. Is this a long-term thing? Is it that they got into it because of a different reason and, and this has highlighted, this whole scenario is highlighted. Maybe it isn't what they want to do full-time. Or it's concreted the fact that you are passionate about fitness. You are passionate about what you want to do. And basically, you're in it for the long term. So I made that decision. I also got headhunted by Live Fitness at the same time, which was um, I then represented Live Fitness, went on to um, be with Hammer Strength as part of the academy, did global training across here to the US, then moved into Reebok, then created Arken, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit later on. But all the way through this process, it's continual shifts, it's decisions that you've got to make. And I think we're right in that time where you have to make that decision. And we're in exactly the same position. Arken has changed massively over five years yeah, to where it is right now. And then two weeks ago, when all of this kicked off, we had to have a serious sit down chat and go, right, are we, are we, have we got what we need to do or do we need to shift? Do we need to pivot with everything else? And that I think was one of the big things that, that started this whole conversation and started the whole, um, the, the whole kind of shift, I guess, or adaptation into where we are now. And, I think you just have to look at that. And so I think that's the lead part of this whole conversation is this situation that we find ourselves in now, is it reinforcing what you want to do or is it actually reinforcing the other way into, is this the career that you want to go into? Is it what you see yourself doing long term? And if it is brilliant and you need to therefore adapt, but if it isn't, then you need to kind of look at that on a serious note and think. Is it something that I transition away from, or or whatever else, really? So that that was kind of my history and all the pivotal points along the way and the decisions that we've that we've had to make along the way, which have culminated into this position now. But we're still pivoting and still changing.
1: It's it's going to happen constantly all the time. What would you say that obviously from the adaptations you've had to make in the past at critical times, similar to this, but obviously not to the extent of a global pandemic, but. What do you think you've took from them occasions that have helped you now in this current situation? Because there's going to be PTs in here that let's remove a global pandemic, let's say in two years down the line, three years down the line. I don't know. It might be a huge life shift that they get offered another role. They have kids. They have What's what's supported you in the past with them decisions to be able to adapt quicker now or learn from, from the past? I think you have to look at, I think the biggest thing that you have to look at is the position that you're in right now.
2: So we've, a lot of the trainers have got comfortable in what they've done. They've built their businesses. They've got into a position where they're doing X number of sessions per week. They're comfortable with the face to face. They've got an online segment or whatever else as well. Um, And then now they've got a question, like you say. So look at, look at exactly where you are and where you want to be. And then I think with me, it was all about connections. It was all about making connections and keeping them. We, we had a quick chat before we came on that in this current position right now, the accessibility to people is, is something that has never happened before. You are way, you have a way better chance to talk to people that you've probably never talked to for, I don't know, or never talked to in the past. So as a little bit of an example in the last, Two, three days, I've talked to the CEO of Theragun over in Los Angeles. Uh, I've talked to the CEO and COO of Hyperice, which is again the same kind of thing. Um, talked in depth about um, how we can forward certain initiatives and things like that with the guys at UK Active and the workplace movement. Uh, we've looked at how we're going to structure our involvement with British rowing and British weightlifting. I've talked to athletes, um, we had Noah Olson, number two CrossFitter in the world, uh, on a Skype the other day, we've talked to Sam Briggs. So all of these guys, because they're at home, they're accessible, yeah, and they're what, you can take this time to create your network. And what happens is that network plays the biggest part in your decision making, because they're the ones that are going to give you the opportunities, or they're the ones that are going to open new doors for you. And that's what you really need to sit and analyze is look at what your support network is right now. Look at why you're making the decision that you're going to make. Is it for you or is it for the people around you? Has this highlighted a position of vulnerability in your business? Uh, in, does it, does it mean that your family can't survive or does it mean that you would be better off in a different organization, a different position? Have you put all your eggs in one basket, et cetera? So all of those things are going to make a, make a huge impact on what your decision is is about to be or what you've actually made that decision in the last couple of weeks and try not to be too reactive as well um there's a there's a thing called the logic of failure yeah uh, i mentioned in um uh, i mentioned a book called the uh, what was it again the black box thinking book by matthew seed uh, it's an amazing book if you have got a chance to read it it's it's absolutely amazing but there's something in it called the logic of failure and that's huge right now that we, you don't want to overthink things either that, or there's a logic to what we're doing yet right now. So in that book, there's a, there's a really small kind of, uh, I don't know, four or five pages about what the logic of failure actually is and how they highlight it is that um, it's a sad story really, but there was an operation going on and uh, the girl on the operating table couldn't breathe, needed to be ventilated. So there's a procedure for you to follow. So the surgeons are all following this procedure. They're trying to clear an airway. They're trying to get the airway clear to put the tube down, etc., etc. They give her the anesthetic, which is the next logical step for it. But it seizes up the muscles in the neck, which then creates a blockage in the airway. So all this is going on and they're, they're following step-by-step step of this process. Now, the interesting thing is that the best process to then take is a tracheotomy. Ignore the mouth, ignore everything else, go through the neck, and therefore you uh, incubate the lungs and everything else as well. But the surgeon didn't do that because they're caught up in the fact that they're trying to do this over and over and over again. They're trying to find this solution. They know that that's the solution to go down the mouth, to, uh, to put the tube down and everything else as well. And weirdly that the nurse who's in the actual operating room, she's gone and got the tracheotomy set at this point and come back in because she thinks it's the next logical step. But there's a reason why she's not saying anything to the surgeon. She doesn't say anything because she thinks it's not her place to say, or they're following the logical order of things and everything's going to be all right. And blah, 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 blah. Cut a long story short. This happens. It keeps going. Her airway closes. Her oxygen levels deplete, blah, 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 blah. They eventually get the tube into the throat, uh, re-innovate, get up to 90% oxygen, but they look at the clock. It's eight minutes gone she's got brain damage and everything else and dead and but there's a logic to that failure and what i think that we're getting caught up in at the moment is we're doing that yeah so we're getting caught up in this process and we're seeing that everybody's firing these processes at us and there's people talking to us from the outside and there's you need to go online you need to Deliver online sessions. You need to do all of this, and if we're not careful, you're going to get absorbed into that one thought pattern and that one constant thinking, and you're going to literally ignore all of the other advice around you, or the the one piece of advice that somebody's coming. That nurse should have just gone. Do you know what? You should have just used the tracheoctomy set and got it in. Yeah, and that would have done all of this, saved the patient, etc., etc. But we're caught up at the moment on, I think, following a certain path you've just got to be really careful on that because if you do i could have followed that same path as a business we could have followed the same path kept through the government funding tried to shift tried to go into different things and gone bankrupt yeah instead the decision was actually a better decision right bank the money take the money scrap it yeah listen to what everybody's saying it's not a good idea to try and shift your model set you have this model you want to try and get into something else it's going to be hard it's going to take a lot of income it's going to take a lot of money to do that so if there's something else there which there was which was arkin and everything else as well take it take the hit bank the money get rid of the other stuff start innovating through something new yeah so i think that's probably the most important thing to do is don't get caught up in that what seems logical at the minute, it seems really obvious to go on and do these things and take these steps and go online and deliver X, Y, and Z. It might not be the right way. Yeah. so use your network, talk to people, talk to people who have been through the same situation, or talk to people that you really don't think you could have ever talked to before. Reach out to them, use that network, go on LinkedIn, Spend 20 minutes a day just going on LinkedIn, finding people that you want to talk to or the groups of people that you want to talk to and just send it right out there. Yeah. The, the, it's a, the time right now, they're most responsive. So try and literally create yourself a network or whatever to do that. Cause the last thing that we want these guys to do is fail because they're trying to do something that they probably shouldn't be doing in the first place. Or they're, they're throwing all their eggs back into one basket when currently, like we've already discussed, Maybe this is uh, like a trend, yeah, that's coming. Everybody's being forced online at the moment out of necessity. Yeah, maybe that doesn't continue. So just be aware of your situation, I think, is is the big key on that one. And and kind of analyse your situation as much as you can. Use your network. Create as strong a network as you can. Listen to everybody and then make as much of an informed
1: decision as you can about what your personal circumstances are, really. We were having a chat. That was like really, really insightful, especially about that book. Um, it's quite relevant at the moment as well, isn't it? The operation. That book's amazing. Um, but we were having a chat the other day, actually, regards to right now, there's a lot of relatability between personal trainers knowing what to do next for their business with so much education to reach into. And actually, the same from gym members who are out there trying to lose fat, for example. And there's so many, so much information, conflicting advice to reach into. There's actually a bit of relatability there now because we obviously look at what we're doing. We're doing two more or less webinars a day. You've got everyone else in the industry doing the same thing. And I think right now, and we had a chat, me and Nick, regards to it's a great time to be in the industry, but it's also a very overwhelming time to be here to know. If I was thinking back at 23, 24-year-old and in my headspace at that point, it'd be like, Right, I don't know where to go and I don't know where to start. I know what I should be doing. I should be going. This is what my, my thoughts would have been. I should be going with everyone else, which is online and looking after my clients and doing all of this and put a process in place towards that. But am I just going like that because everyone else is? Um, and where would my, where will my business be affected by it three to six months down the line when I'm back into the gym and so on? So it's a good point to kind of bring out because I think it is a bit of a confusing and overwhelming time for PTs. <clears throat> I also think it's more difficult than you might have suggested in a sense of to be able to pick out who to listen to and to pick out how to apply that and then reach into kind of different people. Because one of my next questions was going to be, if you were to advise personal trainers who to reach into, um, who would them types of people be? Um, You kind of covered it a little bit then in regards to experienced people, people on LinkedIn and stuff like that. But at this point, when everybody's talking about online, What advice would you give to PTs to kind of, I don't know, outsource different types of help away from maybe fitness professionals, fitness industry experts and so on?
2: Yeah, let let me come back to that in a second. One of the things that you touched on that's really important is that I think where the industry has shifted periodically. Yeah, I've I've been in it for 20 years. So we know the shifts. Yeah, you've seen them all before. We've seen the shift away from... Um, what everybody thinks they know and what everybody thinks uh, should be the way forward. And then somebody like James Smith comes along who sticks all that on upside down and kind of goes no, it's about calorie deficit and everything else as well. And I think one of the, one of the biggest things that's ever happened like that in the fitness industry was um, the kind of NASM move. So the NASM, don't get me wrong, great organisation, great qualifications, corrective exercise, performance exercise specialists, all of that sort of stuff is great. It's great knowledge to have, and great to kind of get in your in your kind of um, get into your kind of armory of weapons, so to speak, to use. The problem was we're going back a little bit now for kind of the kind of times for PTA Global. But what happened was everybody became obsessed with postural analysis. Yeah. And it was all about balance and it was all about creating balance in the human body. And it was about, Oh, you have a slight deviation of your scapula or when you're squatting, it's this and it's that. And don't get me wrong. Things like that are fine and they're great. But a lot of trainers took that to the excess. So they kind of wanted to become this postural analysis specialist. They wanted to feed that information to their clients as much as they possibly could. Um, And it was overkill. And What you tend to find is a lot of the trainers, especially within David Lloyd, that adopted this so heavily, their face-to-face PT just dramatically dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped because they didn't listen. They didn't listen to what the people wanted. They assumed that because they had this new set of information, this new set of skills, I want to show that off. I want to go and show it off. I want to go show someone I can tell if they've got one leg a quarter of an inch longer than the other or their hips slightly out of place or displaced or their pelvic tilts affecting their squat and everything else as well. And what tended to happen then is there was a transition then in the industry that everybody kind of almost went, this is the way to do it. This is the way to go. You start with all of these different tests that you need to do with someone. Then it transitions into a way of training and programming and everything else as well. And if you honestly not now, how many of those exist now in the industry? None. Yeah. Or very few. And a lot of them kind of went to other mechanisms. So some transferred into like the CrossFit because they saw the the crossover between that and sort of CrossFit. Um, So coming back to that point, I think what you need to do is really analyze what what the trend is a little bit and see whether or not it's a it's a it's got longevity or not before you jump into it yeah so analyze the situation spend time doing it don't just become too reactive and think oh shit i've got to change i've got to do this because everybody else is doing it yeah everybody tried to do it with the james smith situation um when i was at when i was at reebok and and adidas we spent months doing content and one of my jobs was to find the best looking people yeah the girls that looked in really good shape, the guys that had got the perfect kind of symmetrical physique to go into the videos. The videos were highly polished, highly uh, produced. The movement patterns had to be absolutely bang on. We'd spend hours and hours and days at uh, a shoot getting something right. And then James Smith comes along and proves the fact, actually, you don't need any of that. yet because what the people want is they want raw, honest footage of, of the delivery of what they want to know and the, the amount of information that can know and then impact their lifestyle off, that, off the back of that information. And that, that's huge, yeah? So that, that has now shifted that really, everybody has the ability to create really good content. Uh, Nick will know Craig Ritchie, I guess, um, he's the same. So he now is uh, pretty much represents the whole of CrossFit Global in their video uh, and their kind of production of video content. And his video content's great. He's quite a funny guy. He's very likable. Uh, it's very raw. It's quite well edited, yeah, because it's put together quite well. But again, he's seen the opportunity. He's seen the landscape. He's looked at it. He's found a way to um, create content around it and and pretty much delivered what he wants. And he's now got 250,000 subscribers on YouTube or whatever else and, and all those different things. So, yeah, look at look at what's currently going on. Analyze it. Look at the longevity of it. And then in terms of your network, go to people who, right, everybody has what they call a mountaintop moment, yeah, which is where you have this situation where you think um, there's, a, there's a guy called John Gordon, yeah, amazing to listen to. Um, I'm not particularly religious, yeah, but he does have a slant of religion to so some of his stuff that he does. But he's one of the best um, motivational speakers of all time. He does a lot of the NFL speaking, Fortune 500 companies in the US and things like that as well. But he talks about the fact that everybody has a mountaintop moment. And what we mean by that is that someone will have paved the way um, already for what you want to do. Yeah, it's natural. Yeah. So Michael Jordan did it in basketball. Everybody wanted to be Michael Jordan. He was the one. Yeah. Now you have LeBron, you have Kobe, rest in peace and all these different things. But that was the mountaintop moment that you... You understand what you want, and then it's how you're going to get it, yeah, and how you're going to achieve what you want um, or or what you're aspiring to that somebody else has already done. And in a lot of ways, that's what James Smith has done. He had his main top moment, got to that point. Everybody else is now aspiring to become that sort of thing. Now, to get there, your network needs to be created by people that aren't necessarily in fitness, yeah, but show you that path towards the progress that you need to make, yeah? Yeah. So the only way I can kind of explain a little bit on that is, is through personal. So with Arken, we've had to shift massively in the last few weeks, purely because all of the tests that we do and all of the metrics that we do are in the gym, yeah, or 90% of them are in the gym. So everybody's coming back to us and going, love it, metrics. We've, we've had like uh, 3,500 new people maybe, something like that on the platform, and they're all like, this is brilliant because I can do this and I can do online challenges and everything else until it comes to the bit where they actually select the movement patterns and they go, can't do any of this because it's in the gym. So we've had to sit there and go, right, okay, we can't physically film the new stuff because it requires being in a gym, social distancing, we can't get there, yeah? I can't get the film crew. So how do I bypass that in order to provide a, a service, so to speak, that we can do right now? But in terms of, where, in terms of the network that you use, I don't need somebody in fitness to understand scaling my business. I need to sit there and say, right, what's the low-hanging fruit? Well, the low-hanging fruit for me is CrossFit, yeah? And I don't mean that in any disrespectful way, but that's my market. Those are the guys that are going to understand what I do. They're going to understand the competitive side of it. They want to know pound for pound what they are and that better than somebody else, et cetera, et cetera. So they're what we call low-hanging fruit. Now, how do I scale to low-hanging fruit? I need somebody who understands CrossFit very well understands how to get into that network understands the makeup of that network understands how to communicate with the boxes really well. So again, simply reach out to somebody that, you know, in that position. And I reached out to a guy called Pete Howe, who happens to be, um, used to be, uh, the trainer for the SAS guys on who dares wins, um, Elton John's personal bodyguard at one point and everything else as well, but reached out to him. We had a conversation, he then said, do you know what, I love this, love it as a concept. Um, always been a fan of pound for pound over the facts of scaling, things like that, blah, 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 blah. So again, he opens those doors. So all of a sudden I've kind of gone, right, that's an ally I have in that network, but he's not the one that can scale it because he's got a box, but he's never developed past that. So he's got a box and he's got 80, people in a box. He's got a great network of other people that he can get me in touch with, athletes, those sort of things. But is he the one to scale my business? No, because he hasn't been there, because he hasn't scaled it. So how do I get my business to scale into these different areas? I need somebody who's higher up in CrossFit or understands it. So again, reach out, and this is where that conversation goes. Reached out on LinkedIn, found the person that I need to talk to, yeah, and kind of went, you're the one that I need to talk to. How do I get to you, yeah? Yeah. So go down the chain and see if you know anybody that that's in that chain, in that network who can introduce you. And again, it's logical steps. So all I did is went through that chain and found a guy called Marcus who now is the sales director for Theragun in the UK. Marcus used to work for life fitness. I used to work for life fitness, a little note on LinkedIn, both used to work for life fitness could really do with an introduction or conversation about X, Y, and Z really want to get to this person if possible. Yeah, within three, four days, I'm on a Skype call to Los Angeles with the person that you want to talk to. That person basically talks to me and says, I'm the guy who's responsible for the Reebok deal with ESPN and CrossFit, and do you want to scale this? I'll give you a couple of hours of my time to understand how to scale this into the network that you want. Yeah, all that requires from me is a bit of time and a bit of investigation work. To go through LinkedIn, to find someone who's connected, to reach out, to have a cheeky conversation, push my luck and see if I'm going to get it. Yeah. And it happened to work out. Now, I'm not saying that's going to work out for everyone. I'm not saying it's that easy, but that's what you need to do. Yeah. And right now is the absolute time to do it. What do you want to do with your business? Do you want to scale it? Do you want to get it into this position? How do you do it? Find someone, yeah, or make a wish list of people that are on that curve yeah, or have done that curve or have been on it or whatever else. These people aren't untouchable. Yeah. Okay. They're really not. Yeah. People think that they are, um, but they're not. So it wasn't that long ago that I'm talking to Piers Linny off dragons Den. Yeah. And this isn't, this isn't, this isn't, um, I don't want to make this sound like I'm name dropping or whatever else. It's just a really cheeky conversation on LinkedIn. Yeah. You've just got to know how to do it and it's not going to work. The amount of times, I could probably tell you 20, 30 people that have told me to do one on LinkedIn, but the three or four haven't yet. And they're, they're what create your network. They're your new network because they've been there and done it. Whatever they've done, what you want to do, they've built what you want to build and they're the best people to advise you. It's not the people that are online going, I can bring you these number of leads or I can do this or I can do that. They might have done it, yeah, but they might have tried it with 500 different companies and succeeded with one. So if you know that somebody's categorically done what you want to do, they've been on that arc that you want to get onto, they've successfully built what you
1: want to do, now is the time to reach out and try it. So unpacking all of that, mate, because this is great information, because it, it's obviously completely different to what we've had already, and unpacking all of that, my head's spinning in a sense of, I'm trying to put myself in a PT shoes as much as I possibly can here, and... Obviously, what they're listening to right now is a lot of fitness professionals with a lot of experience, including me and Nick every single day. Do you know what I mean? When, when it comes to, say, for example, let's just use the common example right now, which is moving online to either a membership group, group PT, bespoke one-to-one PT. There's actually so many more people out there that not only can grow or have a proven record with growing an online business in the current market, but at the same time, they can reach into... Probably for just that cheeky advice of a message and go, well, how did you set that up? What did you kind of what did you use to set that up? I'm listening to this example, but can I can I have half an hour of your time? You would probably just let them let them reach out to them, right? Nick, yep. I'm just trying to, try to think of this and unpack it from a PT's perspective. What are your thoughts, mate? <clears throat>
0: um, I think yeah, I'm trying to put myself in their position as well, because I think there is a, it, there is an element of can I, can't I in this current scenario, do you know what I mean? Like a lot of them probably feel apprehensive asking for money, let alone asking for some time off someone. Um, but I think it's really insightful and a very good different angle to kind of think of it because we've Got. in this respect, from a PT's perspective, what I'd probably take from this is almost yeah reaching out and looking for those kind of um organizations or people that you know can either we can either help each other or they can help me or we can kind of just start to generate that conversation because i think at the moment it's you know we're very much and i th- i guess what you're talking about is b2b more so rather than kind of going straight to the consumer and though we've kind of focused on going straight to the prospects and generating the prospects and generating the interest, et cetera, et cetera. It's almost leaning on that kind of going straight to businesses, going straight to kind of leaders in those certain areas that you could lean on, whether that's, I don't know, um, networks or groups or social social groups or certain kind of areas that that you can kind of like, as you said, Matt, like just create those networks and those conversations to start off with. I guess, I mean, to be fair, I guess that's kind of what we do a lot with all the guys we bring on board, but it's obviously very fitness-focused.
1: And I I think, Matt, sometimes, I think the fitness industry can be a little bit guilty, and I think I can hold my hands up on this one, is we're in that much of a bubble in the fitness industry that, and I think it's like no other, that... We live and breathe health and fitness. It's all over our social media channels. It's just personal trainers, online coaches who we follow, and so on. That sometimes we think growing a business stops at the experience of a fitness professional. Whereas, actually, if you, I can only think of some of my best business advice has come from my clients who are CEOs of business. Yeah. I can resonate with what you've just said instantly. Um, but we're so much within this bubble sometimes that it's kind of like, right, well, everyone's going that way. So let's go that way with them and do the same process and let's listen to them and take it in and then buy their product. When actually, sometimes we just need to pause and reflect and go, well, where do I actually want my business to be in five years time? And is that the same route as that direction and everywhere else? I suppose that's where you're going with this as well.
2: Yeah. And, and you need to create a severe amount of resilience when you've got your own business. It, it's natural. You're going to get told no so many times. The the amount of times that I've sat with business colleagues, partners, my partner, wife, etc., and just gone, I'm done. I'm absolutely done. Yeah, I've built my hopes up to get something, and it's just been ripped away. Um, we've had the we. I had a contract with Rebot, which made a really difficult decision to get out of, and took me nine months of legal work to get out of. So you just need to build up like a massive resilience to kind of go in. Do you know what? Not everybody's going to want to talk to you whatever else. And like you've just said, it, it's that network of looking outside of the fitness industry a little bit because business is business. Yeah. How you create a business, how you fund it, how you grow it. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Predominantly it's the same way. Yeah. It's the same methodology that you're going to do. Um, so when you talk to these guys, like you've just said, the CEOs and those sort of things, if you look at the CEOs, for instance, of, uh, I'm going to say this and it might be wrong, but if you look at the CEOs of like the big companies, like um, the head of Pure Gym or whatever else, I know that's slightly different because it's a, it's a group, um, but the CEOs don't tend to have a fitness background. They have a business background and they go, right, to scale this, we need to put these parts in place and these parts, when you put them all together, create growth and create scope and scale and everything else as well, which is exactly what you need to do. You've gone through all of these different um, seminars and webinars. I think now that it's pretty clear that the PTs need to understand, they need to talk to their clients, they need to ask them what they want, what they physically want, what service do they want them to provide. Does your business, does your business currently provide that service? If it does, great. If it doesn't, find a way to do it. Um, use your network to, to create that solution and then basically provide that solution. And then it becomes a business thing. It's, it's not a fitness thing. It's a business thing. How do you grow that? How do you scale that? How do you get into a position which means that you can take on different employees or you can spread the risk or whatever else as well? It, it, it's just, that's a business decision. yeah. So again, start to surround yourself with people that are probably more business focused necessarily than fitness focused. They understand the landscape of fitness. They understand how you're getting lead generation, how you're creating customer base and how you're doing all of those things. But they don't necessarily care about that. They care about your business intrinsically as as an entity and how you're going to grow that. And that's probably one thing to start to look at now, because as the gyms reopen, there's just going to be an influx of people. Yeah, We talked about this a little bit before, that there's a necessity to be online at the moment. Um, there's all of these people training and you are looking at it every day going, oh my God, there's this number of people training online and that number of people training online. Um, I know a girl up in Yorkshire who's, uh, had about 210 people on an online session. It's nuts. Yeah. If you open a gym right now, how many thousands of people are going to want to go to that gym and they'll neglect all of their online training again and all their home training and everything else because they want to be in that physical place. That's their mecca. That's where they go. Yeah, that's their kind of type of whatever it is that they want to go to. So once the gym's open again, there will be an explosion again back into the face-to-face side. Do you transition fully back into it? It's a business decision. Yeah. Do you keep your online uh, component? It's a business decision. Yeah. So you need to analyze that and start to look at all of the different factors that surround that. Which one's going to be the easiest to grow? again, to, to get you back into your position, which one's got the long term growth, which one's got the higher scope or potential to get you to where you want to be. But you need to know where you want to be. It's great asking your clients what they want. Yeah. And what can I do to deliver to you? And what, what's the best service that I can offer you and everything else as well. But from a business perspective, what do you want? Yeah, where do you want to be in two, three, four years' time? Because this is highlighted, this whole scenario is highlighted. You need to evaluate your business model, yeah, as well as what you deliver, as well as your services and everything else, but what your business model is and how you grow that business model. So I think that's one of the key factors, really, is is look at it, create a resilience, because you're going to get told no so many times and people aren't going to want to talk to you and things like that. The amount of ideas that we've had and kind of, do you know what three o'clock in the morning, it seems like the world's best idea or whatever else. And then you wake up the next day and you tell somebody else and they go, nah, no, it's not a good idea. And you suddenly realize it probably wasn't, but it just sounded good at the time in your own head. And that's a resilience thing again, because you're going to go through that and you're going to go through all of these different um, peaks and troughs and, and all these different emotions of of having a business and stuff, especially in the current situation. But you need to, you need to control that and, and also have realistic sort of, targets and things like that. But yeah, create a network.
0: So on that, mate, I think that's a really good shout to be fair. And I like your take on it. Um (laughs) except for just getting more no's (laughs) and getting used to it. Um because this is one of the biggest things. Whether it's face to face, whether it's online, it's probably one of the biggest things a lot of the guys struggle with is the fear of people saying no and in that one no and going jesus and then almost creating this kind of um safety actually this safety kind of blanket of the fact that well if they're saying no everybody else is going to say no so i just won't ask
2: yeah gives you a reason not to do something yeah. yeah yeah
0: what would you i mean the best advice i ever got was very very early on in my when I first started PT was, you know, the more no's you like aim for to get no's, as many no's as you can in a day, because that'll just mean you'll get more yeses.
2: And yeah. Yeah.
0: It just stuck with me consistently throughout my whole career is that and also to take to take the emotion, to like separate and take the emotion out of it. They're not saying no because you're a bad person. <laughs> it's they're saying no because they don't either understand value or trust you yet of what you're
2: yeah. and it's, it's it's hard to separate those emotions because it's yours yeah, uh, yeah it is. It, but right you're not i think the way to look at it sometimes though is, is to look is to reflect at it in uh, a different environment so right if you buy a, if you buy a top that you really like and then somebody says it's not kind of my thing you don't automatically sit there and go, I sh- I'm never wearing that again. Yeah, because you like it, you know that you like it and, and you bought it and whatever else. But the problem is that's what a lot of people tend to do when they get this no. They start to question what they're trying to do. And there's, the amount of no's, like I said, that we've had within Arkham, people don't like it. People go, it's too complicated. The, the metrics is too much or whatever else. It might be for some people, it might be. Um, the one piece of advice I'd probably say, which is really big, is don't worry in the fact that if somebody says no to you you take it really personally yeah because there's been days and like periods of time where kind of I've built myself up into something or whatever else and then somebody suddenly crashed it and gone actually no and I take it really personally yeah so I'm kind of like oh my god they've said no or this hasn't worked or whatever else you, you will you'll rebound off it and you just need to go okay fine that's 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 cool and it's a no and whatever else and then you reevaluate and go forward and it is really hard to do yeah I'm, I'm not going to lie it's really hard to do because you just want to be careful that you don't set yourself into that mindset of actually this isn't a good idea if you totally believe in it and enough people say that it's a good idea and fundamentally it's sound and everything else as well you just have to start to realize that Some people are never going to buy into it and some people are never going to buy your services and some people are never going to adopt what your pattern of thinking is. And that's fine. And do you know what? You might have two days where you're really questioning it and you fall into a bit of a slump and you think this isn't worth it and I don't really want to do it anymore and everything else as well. But there'll probably be as many better days and good days and you will get that yes, where you'll suddenly think, actually, this validates what I do and this is why I do it. And it's those that you want to kind of hang on to, but it is difficult and, and it's not going to be something that you can do all the time.
0: So, yeah. Would you say then, um, cause we talk a lot about critically thinking about stuff, um, you know, critically thinking about barriers and challenges and, you know, overcoming X, Y, and Z. And I think that's a really good thing that you kept going back to there was like, you know, take your time, have a little bit of a a grieving
1: process
0: (laughs) (laughs) and then just sit down and kind of, you know, you know, evaluate, evaluate that. And I think another key thing that I plucked out of that, which again, right, kind of back to what we say quite a lot is that if you try and please everybody, you'll end up pleasing no one. And that it's probably a very, 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 very good thing that, only certain people want to buy your service or only certain amount of people want to work with you because let's be honest, you know, even if, if we we open the gyms tomorrow and every single person wanted to work with you, you wouldn't be able to deal with that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so look at your look at your successes as well and, and dwell on your successes as, as much as you dwell on your failures a lot of the time and try and pull out the positives of things. Um, one of the things I always wanted to do was to work with certain like brands and certain companies and things like that. Um, and as I said before, we've, we've, we got into a contract with Reebok and that's commonly known history. Um, it's really difficult. Uh, it's ridiculously difficult with a brand. They are so slow to adapt. They're slow, slow to turn. Um, we did a big kind of uh, engagement with Under Armour not that long ago. Um, constantly 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 throughout that whole uh, couple of days of the engagement it's um does this color match our brand does this color of the pad match this and whatever else all of a sudden it's a totally different environment to be in and you kind of like i I sat there and i said i just want to do that i just want to do the fun bit yeah i want to do the really cool bit and and i want everybody to see this and do that but actually when you're involved in that corporate scenario it's not that anymore. Yeah. So you need to kind of manage your expectations a little bit as well about what you want to do. If you have aspirations to work with certain people, just make sure that those aspirations are you're clear with them. Yeah. And you understand the ramifications of being with them as well. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of the guys, like you said before, if you want to scale your business, certain things come with that. It will take you away from the face to face Uh, If you want employees, other stuff is going to come with that. Yeah. Logistics, payroll, all of these different things. And a lot of the comments that are on the wall where, um, like in the PT group where people are going, what's the best way to do this? What's the best process of, uh, of taking payments and things like that. That just multiplies. Yeah. So it becomes a point where you go away from all the cool bit and the fun bit and everything else as well. And it doesn't become so much fun anymore or whatever else. And that sometimes is what, again, will negatively impact your growth because you sit there and you you can't recognize that yet that it will take you away from those aspects if you want to be the face-to-face trainer you really love it you're totally engaged with it you want to be that person manage your expectations you will cap out at this much income if everything goes perfectly you will cap out you will go online you will cap out at this many people that you can logistically look after providing a good service who will continue your service and everything else as well If not, and you grow, and you take staff on and everything else, the problems that come with that, yeah, it's great because the money will come with it, and the expansion and the scaling, but there's also other logistical issues that come with it, and you just need to make sure that, like you say, you've got that in your mind, or whatever else, to be able to understand that, um, the, the
1: business aspect to it as well, rather than just the kind of fantasy part of it, I guess, so... I can relate to that from an s point of view, like always wanting to go and work with a team. And then when I went and done it, it was like I was earning peanuts and you were being pulled from pillar to post for like minimum wage at points when you were doing 16 hours for X amount of money. And what I thought it'd be this dream job after coming out of pro sport to go back in as a coach or an s coach. And it was absolutely not like that. And ended up coming yeah. back, back to the commercial gym world and so on. I was sat smiling throughout that because I was thinking, all them PTs that are out there wanting to be this online coach sat on their laptops in Bali. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same now after that. Yeah. It, it
0: is. I it, think it is kind of, <clears throat> you know, imagine, okay, so imagine now having, I mean, I know because I work in one, but imagine now having your own gym and having staff, you know, two or three, you know, PTs, and. 200 members or whatnot and just imagine the responsibility like of what that kind of entails in regards to what's happening now and also going forward like and I'm not saying that's a negative thing particularly it's just extra and you do do less of the stuff you you love to do that you got into the industry for probably and to be fair just thinking about that when you're talking through that now actually it's we're doing more of the stuff we enjoy.
1: Yeah, this is it. I, it? I didn't want to say that because <laughs> everyone else is struggling. But we're, what's happened with this shift with us is that we're now working with PTs and it's the stuff that we enjoy. And no yeah. disrespect to managers, regional managers, senior management team that's on the board in Pure Gym who we have to deal with and do different work with. This is the shit we love. So we've, although we've been doing long hours, we've been both been like, shit, this is, like, this is the good stuff. This is the stuff we mm-hmm. enjoy. It's me having talks with you, with Phil, with, with whoever it is from fitness professional point of view helping PTs. Mm. So, that's so it's mad. I didn't want to say it, but you did. <laughs> I think,
2: I think one, of the, one of the things to recognize as well is that this is as hard as it's going to get. Yeah. yeah it, there's, there's, there's no way. Well, I'm hoping so anyway, but this, this is pretty much as hard as it's going to get. So when you're looking at the current situation, kind of sit there and think, okay, well, everything's bottomed out, but. It can. It's going to get better. Yeah, the gyms will open again. You will get a certain amount of face-to-face back, but you've already spread your risk. You've already mitigated your risk to a degree because you've gone online. You've started that process. So many of the trainers in the in the group have kind of gone. This has forced me to take the take the leap into doing these online sessions and things like that. And that's sometimes probably what you needed as a nudge. Mm -hmm. And in essence, it's probably uh, similar to a lot of companies look at your foundations though. That's all I'd say is, is that because if anything ever happens like this, again, you need your foundations, like uh, the business as a a company um, secure enough that you can ride things like this. Uh, I know a lot of gym owners, like you've just said, um, the two particular stories is one, one is literally just wants to get rid of it. And they're kind of like, right, this has massively highlighted all of the things that can possibly go wrong. And I've now got staff who are moaning at me. I've uh, one guy that I spoke to the other day said, it's, it's a weird sensation because he has a, he has a box, not a CrossFit box, but an independent box. Um, and since he's gone, since this has all gone dark and they can't go, he's been really reluctant to go online to provide sessions because he said he knows what's going to happen is that, all of a sudden the demands for when he reopens become much higher than they were before. So he's almost kind of, his mindset is, I want to ride this out. I want to deliver them a, a minimal service as possible to keep them, ride it out and then go back into the same format that was coaching face to face, etc., etc. back in the box. Cause he said his worry is that if he does all of this online stuff, what's going to happen is as soon as he opens the box again, X number of his clients are going to go, oh, I can't make that session. Could you record it? Because you obviously did all of these recordings. Can you film the classes so that I can possibly do it if I'm away from work and whatever else? Whereas the other guy, um, he owns a gym and right from the very start, he made the investment to own the land that it's on. So he doesn't pay rent and he didn't pay everything else. He made a deal with the landlord, yeah, which meant that um, uh, the landlord kind of, part owns the gym i guess so they're building this huge extension currently right now this massive extension to the gym and everything else he's not paying rent because he's in a partnership with the guy that owns the land and blah 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 he's in the perfect world scenario he's gonna ride this out with no staff no real overheads no rent nothing because he set it up well in the first place yeah so we've got asked quite a lot as well especially in, in these um a lot of the feedback is how people grow companies or how to grow business because they go, don't have the income right now to do it, don't have the infrastructure to do it and things like that. Sometimes you don't need it. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you a little secret about Arken, which some people know, some people don't. But, and I'll tell you the good parts, bad parts to how you grow it. Yeah. So we have great video, amazing video. So it's done by a company up in Newark in Nottinghamshire uh there is no way no way that i could afford them zero chance yeah they do campaigns used to do campaigns with speedo with reebok with all these different companies zero chance yeah so right from the start i wanted that content because i wanted to be able to deliver professional content with graphics to show you standardization of movement patterns etc cetera, etc cetera. so i couldn't get away with that raw footage of of what you can get away with online so i went to this video company and said look I can't afford to pay you, yeah? I cannot afford to pay you that money for each of the videos. So I went straight in at the deep end and said, tell you what I'll do, I won't give you equity of the company, but I'll give you 5% of the profits for two years, yeah? On the off chance, every single person that I know said, there is no chance they will go for that, zero chance, (laughs) yeah? Because they're sitting there going, if this all goes wrong, we've just lost loads of time effort and video footage and editing and whatever else as well. Yeah. So we must have asked probably five, six companies, the same deal. Every single one of them said no until this one went, taught me through the company, taught me what you want to do, how you want to scale it, etc., etc. So we had a meeting, sat down and said, look, this is the way that I want it to grow. This is what I need that video footage for. Da, 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 da. This is the projections of what I'd like it to be. And therefore, are you in or out? They're in, yeah? Now, the good thing about that is they're in. They're invested, yeah? So they're kind of like I'm getting 5% of profits. I help this person grow it by giving them the video footage, creating it. We all grow it together. We make money, yeah? The negative is um, that they're not fully invested as staff, yeah? So there are periods of time where they'll dominate other work which is coming in and things like that which is great but the plus point to me as a business is I get great video footage technically for a potential risk of giving away five percent of the profits for two years but no equity so I own the whole business and everything else as well so that's one way to potentially do it and I did exactly the same thing with tech So I knew that the tech company, for instance, that we wanted was way too expensive, so did exactly the same with them, went round to loads of different tech companies, nearly every single one of them went, no, we don't do it, not a chance, blah, 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 blah. Until another one, basically, who've got a pretty big team, went, actually, it's great, We need something to work on that's a bit more complex for the guys to learn, etc. etc. Different coding, blah 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 blah. So, again, we've done it. So, in essence, I've given away 10% of profit for a company for two years. Yeah, no equity, keep it all myself. But it's allowed me to create an infrastructure which has got a great site, great video content, really elite kind of standard materials and things like that, which the likes of British weightlifting use, British rowing, and all those kind of big national governing bodies for the potential of giving away 5% profit. Yeah. So it's a way to scale. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm trying to get across. It doesn't always have to be, I don't have the money to do this yeah. Chance it. Yeah. You, like I say, you might get five, six, seven, eight, nine people. You might get 25, just come back and go, no, no, I don't want to do it yeah. But the one that turns around and says they do great. Yeah. And you can always extend that. So we've talked about extending the deal, doing whatever needs to, to, needs to happen to keep them or whatever else as well. But, I've secured myself and my foundation that the equity of the company is mine, but the risk is mitigated across different parties or whatever else as well. So think about that. And as I said before, you're going to need, you're going to know what you want to do. You're going to have analysed what you want as a, as a structure and how to scale it and utilize it and just be cheeky enough to ask. Yeah. They might all say no or whatever, but ultimately you're in exactly the same position that you are now or whatever. But if somebody says yes, and they go, actually, I'll help you grow this. I'll, I'll assist you in this. And all I want is 5% of your potential profits. Technically, what are you losing? Nothing. Because if you don't make any profit, you don't give them anything. Yeah. If you make a ton of profit and you make, if, if I said to you right now, they help you make a million pound and you give them 50 grand, you'd be quite happy to just sit there and go, I'll give you 50 grand. Yeah. So it's a mindset sometimes on things like that, that people get caught up in this. I'm a little small company or I'm a single sole trader or ever else. I can't do things like that. You can. You
1: just need to ask. Just my last question from me, mate, and it's open to questions from any of you guys that are on. Um, Just off the back of what you've just said at the very, very end, then, because I know we've still got online challenges to go into and stuff like that. Um, Maybe that's one for another time or whatever. If you want to get stuck into it now, it's up to you. What gave you or what was the process in giving you the confidence to make them business decisions and grow and scale. Um, and the reason why I'm saying that, if I'm a PT sat in here now, my, my biggest way instantly to grow my business and earn more revenue for less time is to potentially go from the pure gym shift hours to rent, right? And then you're fully self-employed. Um, and then off the back of that, it might be making a decision to bring in an additional product, which is like online, hybrid or whatever. Then it might be the decision of, actually, I've grew my network here. I'm going to open my own private facility. Was there anything, any little gems that you can give away? I think you give away a lot, to be fair, but any little gems you can give away to give them the confidence in enabling that process to happen and making them decisions themselves? Right. Do you know it's really funny? So I'm, I'm 44.
2: Um, people have a tendency to think that I'm quite confident as a person. I can get up on stage. I can talk. I've presented to 700 people in Turkey at a Uh, theatre and uh, out in the US and whatever else at Ursa trade shows, FIBO and everything else. Um, I'm probably one of the least confident people that you're ever going to meet, yeah? So when it comes to things like talking in public and stuff like that, I've been known to like throw up like just before I've gone on and stuff like that because I get myself worked up. I have, um, if you've never read Darren Brown's book called Happy, 100% read it, yeah? It's basically that that things basically things aren't as bad as they seem or whatever else, but you have what we call a negative or positive self image of yourself. And, um, the only thing I'd say is if you read it, be prepared to blame your parents for a lot of your shit that's going <laughs> on. Yeah. Because essentially, essentially they, to do yeah, <laughs> they, they've basically bred into you this positive or negative kind of self image that you have. Um, uh, and the, and the typical example is that I don't smile very often on, on photos and things. And literally everybody on Facebook's like, Jesus, do you never smile? Or is this your constant resting bitch face and everything else? And it's a confidence thing. Uh, I don't particularly like the way that I smile that, or that I look like on a smile. Therefore I've talked myself into a narrative that that's me. When I'm on a photo, I can look fine if I don't smile. And therefore I do that. So confidence is a confidence is a big thing, but I'll tell you what it, what it was. It's necessity. Yeah. So for me, it was purely built out of necessity. I sat there and said, do you know what? I, I need to do it. Yeah. Okay. So out of that necessity that then, then basically gave me not the confidence to do it. Cause I still don't have that confidence necessarily that innate confidence to go, Oh yeah, I'll just go and talk to this person, this person, and this person and, and whatever else. Cause I fear the response still quite a lot. So I got into a really big conversation with this guy out in LA, uh, not yesterday, the day before. And innately, I fear the response that they're going to give when it's positive. Great. I'm on a high for two days and I'm swanning around the house going, Oh, look what I've done and blah, 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 blah. But all the way through that conversation, I'm going, is he going to like this or is he not? Or what's the potential problems? And I'll have papers everywhere with potential responses to negative comments or whatever else. So I'm kind of prepping that as much as I can. So, I think, in terms of confidence, prepared, yeah, be prepared with what the negatives are going to be. So, if you're asking for something, you know, you know what the responses are going to probably be that have come back. They'll either be overwhelmingly positive or there's going to be question marks that somebody's going to ask you. And to be honest, the only way that you do that is by, is by doing it. So, ask someone, and then when they go, is this a problem or is this a problem or is this a potential problem or issue? write your responses to what they are and you become confident in your responses so that if somebody asks you and says actually I don't think that will work you can go I do because of x y and z yeah and you can give those informed responses into why you believe this will work and that's a huge thing when it comes to dealing with the the clients as well clients are always going to say like you said before I don't have time I don't have this I don't have the impetus to do the diet or uh, I can't do that because X, Y, and Z. So you know all of those negative responses. If you're very confident and have informed response to that response, that's what tends to make you look confident and breed that confidence or whatever else. And that will give you the ability to, I think, reach out and go and do the stuff because you know that if something comes back or in a conversation, you know what you're going to respond with. Yeah, don't go in blind. If you go in blind, that's when you can get seriously cut down and your confidence is battered for the next six months or whatever it is. So do you research and just prep it? You know your business better than anybody else. You know your strengths better than anybody else as a trainer. You know, if you're good face to face, you know if you're very good in front of the camera or if you're not and use those to your advantage. And then, um, like I say, just be informed with your responses so that if anything comes back, you've got that response in the bag to sit there and go, okay, I'm confident that I can argue against if something comes back negative that's all yeah and that'll give you the confidence to do it but other than that it's a necessity or whatever right now if you want to do something just do it or whatever else because there's the necessity to be able to do it you need to go make money you need to scale your business you need to pivot and adapt so you're going to have to do it or whatever else and that's probably one of the big things but just make sure because you have to do it doesn't mean you're putting yourself in a position um like and it's just said of, of not being confident to do it. Yeah, you can appear confident to do it, but just be informed or whatever is You take the leap, that's all.
1: Yeah, I think there's a saying in there, uh, something like anxiety is removed by action or something similar to that. Um, and there's no yeah. time right now to kind of have that type of mindset, is it, I suppose. And to prepare themselves for when they go, go back into the gym, because there's going to be a lot of personal trainers that are financially better off for this situation because they've pivoted, added a product, gone online and kept their existing clients so they can grow two products as they go back into the gym. Um, The last thing that we wanted to touch on was these online challenges, but I actually think that's a whole bloody live webinar on its own, isn't it? So live, the the challenge, generating leads and that type of stuff. Yeah, and and I'll be honest, um,
2: we've pivoted massively over the last couple of weeks. So we're about to launch something uh, next week, um, which pretty much leads into that. And I think the guys can get a lot more out of it. So I'm I'm right. Like, we're really happy to do whatever we can to help. We, we know that anyway. So yeah. in terms of the platform and things like that, I'm pretty open and honest that yes, you'll be able to use some of the platform, some of the challenges and things like that. We're about to do a huge one mile walk uh, kind of thing. That is until somebody then causes a bigger lockdown and we can't even go out of the house or whatever else. <laughs> so, but so little things like that you can kind of do, but, I'd suggest, yeah, like we said before, because of the pivot and because of the adaptation and stuff, that um, you'll see it next week, and then we can really drill down in what the what the trainers can do to kind of help them. So, yeah, and that's and one, they can team. reach out, they can sorry they can reach out to me. Um, I've got a certain amount of knowledge business wise and stuff like that as well on scalability and stuff. But if they want to reach out, then then absolutely fine, and I'll do what I can or whatever. We've got a bit of extra time and stuff now, obviously. So cool. Where can they find you, mate? Right, the best thing to do is um, if I... I was going uh, <laughs> to say, is going
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um,
2: what's, what's, the best way, what's the best way to do contact, Nick, from um, your point when of view?
0: When, when I post this video in about an hour, um, whatever contact details you want to leave, mate, but in the comments below it, sound.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll so I'll just that. tag no you. Worries. I'll
0: tag you in, mate, and then just put whatever,
1: and we'll do um, another beast cool. for an hour or so on um, online challenges and generating leads through that. Yeah. That'll be class. Yeah, cool. brilliant. No worries. Thanks for your time. Thanks for everyone for coming on. Cheers, guys. All right.
0: Thanks, mate. Pleasure. No worries. See you later. Good
1: luck.